Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is up, Washington fans? Welcome to the Burgundy Network Podcast. I'm Josh Taylor, joined by Brian Murphy, and this is the post-game episode following the Washington and Giants game. Brian, another heartbreaker. I'm calling this one one giant problem because it seems like every season that summarizes how we perform against the Giants. What do you think it is that we can't get over this hump to beat New York? I just don't think Washington's a, a very good football team. Uh, it, it, it stinks to say that, but what is this, five in a row against the Giants? I mean, to lose that many times in a row to this team is just awful. So uh, I'm not sure what the deal is. It just seems like this franchise is snake-bitten. Um, I'm sure we'll get into Kyle Allen's injury and, oh, and all yeah. that, but just the fact that that has happened again, like I, I just I don't know. I'm, I'm so dejected after this one. So we talked about the Giants we're a bad team. It seems like they are always just as bad as us. But how bad is the differential between the two teams? We are since 2017, the Giants are 6 and 2 against us, 8 and 41 against everybody else. Brutal. Turnover differentials just as bad, plus 9 versus us since 2017 and minus 32 versus everybody else. But wait, probably the worst one is the point differential. Plus 46 versus us, minus 392 versus everyone else. So the games they lose to other people, they're losing pretty bad. It's not like, you know, it's just some coincidence. There's something going on. I don't know what it is. The Giants seem to always have our numbers. Uh, But this episode, we're going to break it down in three different ways. The good, the bad, the ugly. We have to point out what good things we do. Is there a lot? No. Is there a lot of bad and ugly? Absolutely. <laughs> and, <laughs> For real. Uh, we got to start off on a high note before we can just trash the team, I'd say. So the good. As always, Captain Terry, seven catches, 115 yards, one touchdown. Definitely owning up to that C on his chest. Will this man ever let us down? We've already talked about top 10 Terry. Is it time to start claiming that top 10 oh. status? Oh yeah, absolutely, and the fact that he's doing it again with a uh, another quarterback. I know he played a little bit with Alex Smith already, but the fact that he played the majority of the game with another quarterback and another quarterback and another—he's just doing it with whoever. He just consistently produces, no matter who is throwing the football. Um, he makes me so excited to be a Washington fan, and like you said, it's one of the few things that. That does make me excited, but man, he is worth worth it, and he is worth the C on his chest. And I can't. I hope that he is a, a lifelong Washington fill in the blank. Uh, but I, I hope that he isn't. Yeah, I hope he isn't the Washington Terry's. Yeah, yeah. I mean, might as well name it after him. He's about all they got right now, especially on offense. So yeah, I, I love that guy, and it's just it's so fun to watch him play. Uh, week in and week out just the the small nuances you know getting open when a play looks broken I mean fighting for the catch on the touchdown and the run after it I mean just everything you want in 
a football player. He's he's it. So yeah, he is absolutely the good uh, of this team, and he's been the good of this team for the, the last two years. So uh, yeah, I just love the guy. It's crazy to me. Like we didn't hear a lot of it coming out of the draft, and you kind of mentioned it. How good he is after the catch. Like most of his big touchdowns, like even the Eagles game last year. It's always like these slants and then he'll just like somehow like Houdini through like two or three guys as he's getting tackled and just make big plays. Um, so like I said, that's something that really wasn't talked about too much like into the draft process, but not only can he go deep, but he can also make big plays um, out of something small. And it seemed like that's something that Alex Smith did a lot of was check downs in these small plays, except for one guy who came out of nowhere Sunday, Cam Sims. Three catches, 110 yards. His coming out game, we've been waiting for it. I told you it's my guy. How surprised were you that he was the guy that came out with, you know, all the new guys that are activated? Yeah, that was really surprising, man. But good for him for, for sticking with it. And we've seen, you know, him make the roster, then get injured and get, you know, be one of the last cuts. we just kind of seen it all from him. And so it was good for him to see him finally come out and have, a huge game like that and man he was running wide open on a couple of them and you know he broke a couple tackles on on one of them so yeah that was huge and uh, I think we said a couple of weeks ago that we're not really expecting a whole lot out of these wide receivers I mean obviously outside of Terry McLaurin but uh, just to see him contribute a little bit that's huge and and if he can do that moving forward if he can have a game like this every now and then Maybe he is your third receiver. Maybe he is your fourth receiver. And that that's huge to find that out now. And uh, so good, good for him for having a huge day and for stepping it up when, when the team needed him to. Yeah, it was these big chunk plays, like you said. Every team seems to have, like, not some, like, a guy that's not dominant all the time, but he can break out a big game every now and right. then. So, like I said, that definitely helped this case. I was kind of surprised that Robert Foster wasn't activated, especially after the bye week. Um, he was inactive, uh, Baddett was um, active we actually signed him to the 53-man roster uh today so something to keep an eye on against Detroit but looking at the defensive side in a game that looked like the Giants were going to hang 50 on us in the first half it seems like they corrected everything in the second half holding them to only three points which really allowed us to get this comeback going what was different to you in the first half and the second half, you know, where we slowed Daniel Jones down a little bit and kind of just kept them in check more? I don't know. It seems like, uh, and I don't know the numbers about uh, blitzing and all that, but it seems like they really turned the pressure on in the second half and they forced Daniel Jones to speed up his decision making. Now, I wrote down in my notes just watching the game, it seemed like the Giants were determined to not let Daniel Jones make a mistake by, by getting the ball out quick, by getting it, you know, checking it down underneath. And he did that all game. Well, it looked like Washington in the second half really turned up the pressure and, and, and forced those decisions quicker than I think Daniel Jones wanted to. Um, bummer that they couldn't get Danny Dimes to turn the ball over like every other team has been able to. Uh, the fact that you know you turn the ball over five times is atrocious, but the fact that you can't force one turnover against that team is so tough. But you know they came close a couple times, and like you said, they made some adjustments adjustments in the second half, and so that was good to see. Racked up five sacks, but man, I really thought Cam Curl was going to knock the ball out on his sack. I thought he <laughs> that's was a miracle, there. and that was it, that. 
They talked about it on the broadcast. Like, how did yeah. he hold on to that? They he said that was the biggest play of the, the day for Daniel Jones is not turning the ball over. Not any exactly. touchdowns he threw, but just holding on to that was the play of the game for him. Yeah. And, and I, I've been critical of the defense, and, you know, I was really bummed about the first half. But the fact that they turned it on and turned it around in the second half was encouraging. Just uh, too little, too late. But, but the fact is, you know, the defense was put in a lot of bad situations by the offense. So it's really hard to put any of this on them, in my opinion. Um, but the fact that you can't get Danny Dimes to turn the ball over at least once is is, is brutal. Yeah, I think he's turned the ball over. We talked about it the last time we played in New York. I think it's at like 85% of his career starts. He has at least one turnover. Like it's extremely high. It's more than any quarterback since he's entered the league. Um, but like, he's, like you mentioned with Cam Curl, this was his you know first big game. Um, I'd kind of – I thought about this this morning. I kind of call him like a baby Landon because um, he kind of reminds me of him in certain ways. You know, sometimes he's a little suspect in coverage. We saw him give up a couple big plays. But he's like, you know, when you need him to be that box safety blitz, you know, make these big tackles on the edge, he can do that. So it kind of reminds me of, like, what Landon does play-wise. Are they the same guys? No, but they kind of play the same. To me, it just had a Landon feel to it. Wasn't terrible. He looked good. Like, when you needed him to make a play, he did it. But it's a seventh round guy. Like, how high is our bar for a guy that literally? I remember the day we drafted him. I was as hype as about the seventh round as I was the first and second round. People were like, "Who the heck is this guy in the seventh round?" Cam Curl. Never heard of him once. And I was like, "All right, you know, he's like six two. He has really long arms. He can make plays. How much do we expect out of him? It it looks like he definitely has a spot on this defense." Um, going forward as one of those young key guys, you know, building this team up. But coverage-wise, he's got to get better, straight up. I think sure. everybody everybody does. Ron yeah. talked about the linebackers uh, being a little, you know, timid and shy and not as aggressive as he's want them to be. Um, but then Dron Payne had a great game. Whenever there was a big play, someone needed to step up, make a stop, whether it was fourth down, third and short, Dron Payne was there. Um, but – but the good, we got to talk more about the bad. We talked about the defense. I mean, Danny was in check. He only had, like, what, 200-something yards. Like, he didn't kill us. He didn't have a huge run against us this time or anything like that. But the run defense, which is, you know, with our front four, is not what you expect. Alfred Morris in his first game, I didn't even know he was still playing football. Yeah. Ugh. You know, combining with him and Gallman, you can't let them run the ball like that. So what do you think was wrong with the front for, I'll even say front seven, because linebackers are responsible for runs too, to where we're letting guys like Gallman and Alfred Morris put up those numbers on us? Yeah, I, I don't really know, man. And that, that is frustrating. I mean, I love I love Alfred Morris, even, even still. just I, I think back to 2012 with such fond memories, so I love that guy. But the fact that you're getting allowing him 7.4 yards per carry, I mean – he only rushed the ball nine times, but it felt like it was 15 to 20 times the way he just was able to churn up yardage. But, yeah, it looked like they were getting pushed back a little bit. And after a huge game uh, against the Cowboys by Cole Holcomb, he kind of disappeared a little bit, I felt I felt like. Um, and, and you mentioned the linebackers already. Uh, the, really the only guy I saw kind of flying around from the linebacker spot was KPL, and he, he almost had that interception. But other than that, they just didn't seem to do – a whole lot so it just seemed like they were getting pushed off the ball and and you know the linebackers weren't able to fill in there and 
uh, man, the Giants took advantage of it. Maybe they saw something there that, that they knew that this Washington team could be gashed. Because, I mean, uh, I mean, Gallman only had 14 carries. He had almost five yards of carry. It was just very balanced, uh, 166 yards on the ground. Uh, that's brutal. And the fact that it is backups like that, like Wayne Gallman, Alfred Morris, that's just Those that's alarming. Numbers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's alarming, and that's that's frustrating to see. So they definitely need to get that corrected because I think there have been times, and I think the the defense has been pretty good overall. But there have been times when teams will go on little runs, uh, literally runs, where they'll they'll just gash you for four to five yards, and it seems like it happens uh, every now and then. Now that they they turn it around, they you know we said the second half, you know they made some corrections, but still to 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 be gashed like that is 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 pretty bad and it seems like that's the consistent story every week is second half washington like if second half washington played in the first half like they do the second half throughout the season like we we would have more wins it's okay to start the game like that yeah, yeah exactly we, both new york games we would have won for sure Absolutely. especially if we don't you know have a five turnover differential yeah. in this game and only lose by three um so the bad Obviously, Kyle Allen's ankle. Hope the best for him. Um, but there's a lot we got to talk about with this. First thing I want to ask you, I saw your opinion on Twitter, so I just want to break it down yeah. a little more. Jabril Peppers, the I, Russian leg sweep. How do you feel about it? Was it dirty? Was it accidental? He came out after the game and said, I did not mean to do it. Pray for the guy. How do you feel about it? I appreciate him saying that. In the moment, I was pretty heated. Uh, I do think it was. I think it was dirty whether or not he would he broke his leg, which unfortunately he did. And I think it was kind of a freak thing. But to me, it seemed like he whipped his leg around pretty hard. And you know, I don't know that he was. I don't think he was trying to injure him, but I do think it was a dirty play. I think he felt like Kyle Allen was kind of getting away from him. If you're kind of watching it, he was kind of trying to avoid him, and that was his last-ditch effort was to to whip that leg around. And so I thought it was a dirty play. You know, I, I don't think, like you said, that he meant to hurt the guy, but I do think it was just kind of dirty. Even if he had just tripped him, I would have been like, oh, man, that's a dirty play. Like, he, he shouldn't have reached his leg out like that. But it, it was a pretty freak thing you know I, I don't know that I've ever seen that kind of thing I mean I've seen legs like that before obviously we've seen it too recently in Washington but I don't know that I've seen it with a leg that caused it you know a leg wrapping yeah. around like that and and making that happen just it, it just goes back to them being so snake bitten how does this happen like this doesn't happen to teams this doesn't happen where two out of the last three seasons a quarterback has a gruesome leg injury like that. It just doesn't happen. Like I, I just, I don't get it, man. I, I don't understand. No, I don't get it. As soon as it happened, my stomach dropped, and I was like, I, I told you, I was at work, and I just, I just saw on Twitter, like, no, Kyle Allen, like it's bad. The cart's coming out. I'm like, I, one of my buddies at work is a Washington fan. I was like, how does this happen? They said change the name and the curse would go away. Well, like, it's gone, so why is this still happening yeah. to us? Like, what do we need to do? Like, what do we need to sacrifice? Like, a lamb? Like, is it is it beyond us? Like, how do you get rid of this curse? And I just, I, like you said, it's one of those freak plays. And it was, like, close. It was always on our field, first off. Mm-hmm. People blame the field. Do you blame the field? It's pretty bad, uh, but. 
it's pretty bad, but I mean, other teams have come in there and not had gruesome injuries, so <laughs> I, I don't know that you can blame it just, it's just on the us. field It's condition. just the same position. So I, I mean, I and it's know. in November. November. I think I saw Joe Thiessen. Like November is just an awful month for yeah. Washington quarterbacks. Maybe we can get a four-week bye in November <laughs> moving forward. We'll just everybody get coronavirus and just sit out November. But outside of that, Ron said it is too premature to say that Kyle Allen's injury is season-ending. There's eight weeks left in the season. I'm not going to have this guy go through surgery, a young guy that just spent a fifth-round pick on, and say, ah, F it, go for it. <laughs> like You have Haskins, you have Smith. Haskins had to have been given like death threats to the team or something for him to be shamed like that much to where you have Kyle Allen like potentially limping on the field with like two or three weeks left in the season. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think... I don't know if that was just coach speak or, you know, maybe there is a miraculous chance. I can't, first off, I can't believe that he didn't suffer a bigger break. Apparently it was just a small fracture and uh, dislocation, but the way that thing moved, it looked oh. just like all those other gruesome ones. I, I it looked like Dak, I, like honestly. Uh, yeah. And it, you know, looked as bad as Alex's a couple years ago. So I, I was surprised by the fact that it was quote unquote only a dislocation. I mean, it's still awful, but yeah, I, I think this guy's this guy's done. I think that was Ron just trying to maybe be optimistic or be, uh, I I don't I don't know there, but yeah, there's no way that he he comes back out there and and like you said, it's got to be really really bad if he does. So we talked about the turnovers. Alex Smith seemed like I don't know if all of them were his fault, but three interceptions you can't do that, especially as a vet. We saw J.D. McKissick fall down on the one. It went straight into the linebacker's hands. But the one at the end, it's and as soon as he hesitated, I was like, no, don't throw it. If you hesitate like that, like I don't even know where he's looking. I could tell he hesitated, and he just did it anyways. And I was like, yeah. nope, this is not going to be good. And sure enough, yeah. like my gut said, this is an interception, and it was as easy to pick as possible. Did he put up a ton of yards? Yes, the most ever as a Washington quarterback for Alex Smith. But the turnovers, you just can't excuse it. Was it a good game by him? Sure, he had a lot of big plays that got us back into the game. But at the end of the day, as a vet quarterback, and you're known as like a winner, like you're like a game-managing quarterback, you're supposed to win these games. Are you putting those turnovers completely on Alex, or is it just you know each one's a little different? How are you spreading out the blame? Yeah, I mean, I think that I think they all go on him. Uh, I know that JD McKissick slipped, um, you know, but you got to I mean, maybe it was a bang bang, and, and I gotta watch it again. But you know, I know that he slipped. But why are you throwing it there if you see him slipping? I think he kind of panicked on that one, so maybe you don't give that one to him. The other two were just really bad. The one across, back across his body that was tipped by uh, McKissick and then picked by Peppers was bad, and then the Logan Ryan one. He just threw it right to him, and I think they baited him into it. But you know that's a good play by the Giants' defense. But yeah, they, I think most of it is on Alex Smith, and you know I'm sure there's some rust. You know the first game against that he was in there against the Rams, he got thrown in there, didn't really get a chance to, you know, warm. You know he didn't really get a chance to get in the rhythm. This one he he was kind of getting in a rhythm. So um, yeah, it was frustrating. They were, they were all killers. And you go to the two fumbles talking about turnovers as well. You know, the fumble by 
Wright, the fumble by Gibson, they were all just brutal. And it's crazy to say with five turnovers, you, you only lost by three and you still had a chance. But each one of those were just backbreakers in different ways. And, uh, you know, bad teams beat themselves. And th- this is a bad team right now. And they, they showed it with those turnovers. You know, they couldn't even get out of their own way. They really, uh, you know, they had a shot. They had a shot to come back. They were playing well. But, um, yeah, those turnovers were brutal. But uh, the picks, yeah, I'm putting those on Alex Smith. And, um, you know, hopefully with a full week of, of first-team reps and, and coming out there to start the game, he gets a little bit crisper. But some of those, I think, just were, were, were bad rust. I will say, like, obviously I hate losing to the Giants and I hate the interceptions. But I don't know if you saw the story or not with Logan Ryan and his wife. Did yeah. you see what happened with that? That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. If you yep. haven't seen it, definitely look it up. Um, his wife was in Florida where they have a house, and you know she wasn't feeling good with her stomach or something was going on. And one of the trainers for the Giants were like, dude, that doesn't sound good. Like, Don't just sleep that off. Like, Go to the ER. And it turned out to be like some crazy like pregnancy complications or something like that to where it was like life-threatening. Like, If she wouldn't have gone to the hospital, they said she would have died. Right. And pretty much saved her life just for saying like hey like that doesn't sound good like a trainer and she was like this week get me an interception get bring a ball back home sure enough <laughs> logan ryan a guy that was on the free agency for way too long yeah. we were wondering why he's not getting picked up making the big play to seal the game i mean do i hate losing obviously if, if we're gonna lose at least get a good story out of it like a feel good story so like to me like that was crazy yeah, absolutely. And you're, you're right. I, I really was not sure why teams weren't snatching him up, and especially Washington, who we kind of knew and thought that their secondary would be kind of suspect. And uh, here, he, here he is still available, I think, like a week before the season that yeah, uh, the Giants signed. I'm looking right. Yeah, September 5th is when they picked him up. This The fact that anybody could have had him, that Washington could have had him, I mean, with their safety issues – that would have been huge, but yeah, like you said, good for him. Um, uh, great story there. So you're right. It's good to see uh, uh, good things like that happen on the football field. So we talked about the good, the bad. We got to talk about the ugly, and <laughs> literally for the ugly, I put the NFC East race mm, yeah. because that's what we're focused on the rest of the season. Mitch said on our previous show this was a must-win game for the NFC East. Are we officially out? Or are we still just hanging on by a thread? It's third and long. The quarterback's got to shave some yards off here to have any chance to score. Let's see what he does. He drops back. He has a guy downfield, but he doesn't see him. He tries to hand the ball off to a cheap razor. Boom! He's nicked in the sack. It's a fumble, and the ball is going the other way. That one's going to hurt for a while. What in the world was he thinking? Let's go to the monitors and see exactly what went wrong. You know, this offseason, his coaches at Manscaped enhanced the lawnmower 3.0 offense to a whopping 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. They gave him all the chances he had to get that safe, clean cut up the sideline with the cutting edge ceramic blade, but instead he got nicked on the sack by a rusty defense. If he would have used the LED light that comes with the 3.0, there is no doubt he would have been able to see his playing field much better. Looks like he's going to be going over to the sideline with his Manscaped coaches 
grab the tablet, see what went wrong, and if he's smart, he's going to go over to manscaped.com and use the code BNP20 to save 20% off his entire cart with free shipping. That's right. Use code BNP20 to save 20% off your entire cart with free shipping. Don't keep making the same mistakes and give your balls a clean pocket next time. And there's no doubt the result will be a touchdown. The, the sad thing is, is that Washington is technically still in front of New York after losing that game to them. Losing because to them they, twice. They, yeah, yeah, twice. Because exactly. <laughs> Washington is 2-6 and six and the Giants are 2-7. and seven. So technically, the Washington football team is still in second place. But I, I don't, I mean, I think they're out. I don't think there's any way they do it. I No offense to Alex Smith or Dwayne Haskins. I just don't think those guys are good enough to make enough plays to, to win game enough games for you, even in an awful East. But technically, I guess they are still alive. Uh, you know, they still got two more division games, one against uh, Dallas on Thanksgiving and one against Philly at the end of the year. So I think they are technically still alive. However, I, I think that they're all but eliminated. I, I just don't believe in the two quarterbacks left on the roster. Not that Kyle Allen was anything special, but – he knew the offense. He was actually kind of getting into a rhythm, which makes the injury all that much more frustrating. Like he actually looked like he was moving the ball pretty well. But, but anyway, yeah, I, I this East is awful. I, I don't know that we've ever seen anything like this, and um, it really five wins could do it. And I'm not sure that I don't think that Washington is even going to sniff five wins at this point. No, this game. It's funny because me, Pete Haley, and JP. I mean Pete. Yeah, Pete Haley and J.P. Finley talk on Twitter all the time about, like, Call of Duty and Warzone. <laughs> like, this literally felt like getting sniped from downtown, and you're just sitting there bleeding out, and your partner's already dead. <laughs> like, yeah. we're just slowly just bleeding this one out to the end of the season, it feels like. This has 2018 vibes, like, PTSD hitting me, like, injuries late, Alex Smith going down with his leg. Like, it just has that feel. And a crazy stat I saw... The Eagles have a better chance of winning the NFC East than the undefeated Steelers do of winning the AFC North. Yeah, that's crazy. It's crazy. It's like a six percent differential. It just tells you how bad the NFC East is that a team like the Eagles has a higher chance to win their division than the Steelers. But looking forward, Alex Smith is the starter. Ron right. said Haskins is officially the backup. Do we see Haskins come back, or do you think that he rides out Alex Smith to the end of the season? I, if I had to bet, I would bet that we do see Dwayne Haskins again. Um, I just, Alex Smith, I think, is a, a great story, and I think that, you know, had he led a comeback, it would have been uh, a comeback win. It would have been a Hollywood scripted ending, which would have been amazing. And the fact that he's already out there, you know, is amazing in itself, but I just don't think that he's still got it to, to play multiple games in the NFL. I just don't think he can move all that well. I'm curious to, I'm curious how he feels today. You know, you know, especially back at, after the Rams game. Like, how do you feel getting hit that many times after two years of not playing? I just don't know that he can hold up. Not that I think he'll get injured again, but I just think that, you know, he won't be. I don't think he'll be good enough. Honestly, I think we're gonna see 
him kind of start to check it down and that be that really be it. So I think the door is wide open for Dwayne Haskins to step in there and to make a few starts down the stretch. Um, I would love for Alex Smith to return to his pre-injury day and, and you know get a couple of wins and somehow salvage this division. That would be amazing, but I just don't think that he's got it. And um, I think Dwayne Haskins does make some sort of appearance. I think you know definitely in in relief at some point, but uh, I, I think I'd, I'd I'd bet money that he starts before the season's over. Yeah, I, I really do think we will see Haskins again. And uh, shout out to George Carmi, one of my buddies in the group chat. He actually called it. He was like, I don't think this is the last we'll see of Haskins. I think he'll start sometime in November again. So it, to me, it kind of has that vibe. I know Ron loves that veteran leadership. And he even said that what he was excited about this week is Alex Smith being the starter and Haskins being the backup. As Haskins really gets to see how you prep for a week. Right. To me, that kind of stuck with me a little bit. Like, what made him say that? You know, I, yeah. I get that Kyle Allen is a young guy, but what really said, you know, Haskins gets to see how you really prep for a week as a starting quarterback. I was like, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a under the rug little sly shot. I kind of felt that. I was like, okay, like no one else might've caught that, but that kind of stuck with me. Do you think that has something to do with, you know, what's been going on there? Yeah, not may, really paying attention. Yeah, maybe so. And and you know, I guess there's a there's a huge difference between being the third quarterback and the second quarterback, right? Like you don't have to do as much as the third quarterback. But I do wonder if it's just seeing a veteran, a guy like Alex Smith who's been doing it for, you know, 15, 16 years. There there is a difference between him and, and a guy in Kyle Allen who's started you know, however many games, not even a full season. So uh, I, I get what he's saying there, but it is interesting that he said it. And the fact that he said it makes me think that there could be a secession plan to Dwayne Haskins at the end of this year. That, you know, if he does prepare well, which is, seems to be a knock on him, you know, once he got the starting job, it sounds like he kind of slacked off in his preparation. So if he starts to prepare well and does well in that backup role, maybe you know, Ron does say, hey, let's give this guy a couple more shots. Let's give, let's give him one last chance to prove he could be the guy. So it is interesting, and I think it, it, it bodes to to, to uh, Haskins showing up at some point before the season's over. Yeah, you can definitely take that both ways. A shot that Haskins really hasn't been doing that good of a job as a starting quarterback prepping for the week. But also, you can see it as light at the end of the tunnel as in, you know, Haskins might get that chance again. He's going to see, you know, what that's going to take and what that's going to look like for him to get that shot. Um, two other things about the quarterback position that really stuck out to me with Ron's presser today. Um, he said bringing in a third quarterback is an internal decision that they're going to talk about. So that kind of brings up some questions. Do you think that they elevate you know, Montez from a practice squad and then, like, sign, like, another practice squad guy who'll probably get released once Kyle Allen comes back? Or do you think they go out there and pick up a free agent of some sort to have some kind of backup plan? Especially if Haskins was a third-string quarterback. Like, to me, that kind of leaves the door open. If he was named third-string at one point, you could easily find a guy that would be a solid backup for Alex Smith. Yeah, absolutely. Honestly, let me kind of answer this with how I thought this was going to go with how Alex Smith started or not started but when he came in he started to kind of check it down it looked like it was going to be really bad like it looked like 
Washington wasn't going to be able to move the ball at all. And honestly, at that point, I was like, you start Dwayne Haskins next week and you sign somebody else to be his backup because I thought Alex Smith was done. Um, coming after, after seeing the game and seeing that Alex Smith could actually move the ball around, I think it's more what you said that you, you either you elevate Mont, Steven Montez and sign up practice squad guy or you sign another you know, third string young guy that's been around a little bit. I, I don't think that you're, I don't think that they're going to sign somebody that's really going to come in and compete. Uh, that's me personally. I, I don't see the benefit in that because if you really want to see if Alex Smith has anything left or if Dwayne Haskins really can do something, I don't think you'd bring in a guy that could really compete with him. So I think it would be more a practice squad, third string guy that, that is just available in the absolute worst emergency. So I, I don't think we're going to see some, well-known veteran come in by any means no i don't think so and to me like just watching the cowboys game it was crazy to see what the gilbert from smu mm -hmm. had no clue who he even was i think i know he played like in the xfl um or like canadian football or something but it, just see a guy like that just randomly come off the street and ball out against the pittsburgh steelers like that was crazy to me yeah. so that, that tells me like how comfortable and you can call it ash you know ashburn syndrome whatever you want to call it how comfortable we are and how quick we are to be like, oh, man, that was good quarterback play by Alex. I, we, <laughs> I get that there's blinders in front of us. But and one thing I thought about today that I just want to bring up real quick too, which kind of um, segues into my next point. You can have a quarterback that is successful every now and then, but if you don't do it on a consistent basis, it makes all the difference. Sure. For example, Gardner Minshew came in, Minshew mania, people were shaving their heads to mullets, had the stashes, people were going crazy, but he couldn't keep that consistent play going. I get it, he was a late round draft pick guy, but people were saying, oh, well, you see how Gardner Minshew's balling now, how come you know Haskins can't do that and he was 15th? You kind of see like how different it is, like he's not doing it consistently, He's benched. If you don't have that guy that's going to come in like a Pat Mahomes, you know, Russell Wilson, will they have bad games? Yes. But at the end of the day, you know what kind of quarterback you're getting right. out of those guys. You're not getting a guy who's just going to get hot one game and then just get benched six weeks later or whatever. Well, so, well I, I think uh, to a larger level, that I think to me that was my frustration with Kirk Cousins. You, we saw oh, all yeah. the tools. He'd have four touchdowns. Uh, you know, you like that, lead him on a comeback, but then the next game he'd throw just a mind-numbing interception. And you're right, you know, that consistency is so huge. I'd rather a guy, you know, throw for 250 and a touchdown a week but be consistent and make good decisions, not see a guy that goes up and down and up and down. So you're, you're absolutely right. That consistency is so key, and for whatever reason, Washington just can't find that no matter what. Who's like a good average consistent guy right now? Like to me, when I think about that, I think like Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, I mean, he really he's not gonna light you up. He's not gonna throw for four hundred yards. For the most part, he takes care of the football, and he led him to a Super Bowl because he just played well enough. Uh, that's a good example. Honestly, I think that's what Alex Smith was before the injury. You know, you, you, he just took care of the football. Like you said, he was a game manager, which I don't think is a knock on him. He just took care of the football. He would have a solid game he'd make the throws he needed to and he he was a successful winning quarterback so yeah guys absolutely like that what's the last super bowl team 
to win without just, you know, great quarterback play. I'd say, obviously, the Ravens back in 2000 with Trent Dilfer, but it took, yeah. like, one of the best defenses of all time to do it. Yeah, I mean, and the Ravens again with Joe Flacco. Oh, no, he's I, a lead, think, bro. Yeah. Elite okay. quarterback. <laughs> hey, I think he went on a, a good run that playoff that playoff run. And, you know, I don't – I think Nick Foles was perfect for the Eagles system, but I don't think he's anything special, which yeah. we've seen now. But, yeah, it's, it's rare that – that uh, a mediocre to average quarterback wins a Super Bowl. And you're right, it takes like all world defense to get him there. Um, so, yeah, it's it's not many, that's for sure. Yeah, Ed Reed and a guy that killed a guy. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we don't have that on the team, sadly. Um, we got a Cameron Curl and just a bunch of other guys. So, my next point that we kind of talked about before we recorded Ron was asked about, you know, the whole franchise quarterback. Who was our last franchise quarterback, would you say? I mean... Before I was born, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think we've seen glimpses of guys. I mean, I thought... I think for a second we thought Kirk might be it, and before that, you know, 2012, we obviously thought RG3 was it, but before that, before those two little blips on the radar, it's been a long, 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 long time. We're, long. we're creeping into Cleveland Brown territory with the jersey. <laughs> I mean, absolutely, man. It's crazy. So Ron was asked about that, you know, about, you know, having a franchise quarterback. And they pretty much asked him, like, is your franchise quarterback, like, on the team right now? And he said, that's something we have to look at. Is our franchise quarterback on the team right now? Is he developing or is he playing somewhere else? And we both agreed with each other. If you have to question yourself and ask yourself that, you're answering your own question just very indirectly. I think, honestly, if you have to question that, obviously you don't have them. But I don't think a team with a franchise quarterback is ever has to say or wonder that they have a franchise quarterback. You or know what I mean? Like three quarterbacks and, in a season. Yeah, I mean, like Andy Reid never, is never going to be asked the question, do you know who your franchise quarterback is? Uh, Pete Carroll's never going to be asked the question, do you know who your franchise quarterback is? That's a, that's a question that's asked to a team that has a bunch of mediocre to bad quarterbacks. I mean, the fact that you have to answer it, obviously, but the fact that you're even asked that question or, you know, have to address that that issue, that, that tells me all I need to know. And, and even before Kyle Allen's injury, I would have said the same thing, that absolutely no way do you have your franchise quarterback on this, on this roster. And to me, that is number one concern right now. You can, you know, build your team up, but like we just said, if you don't have a consistent quarterback, I feel like the Chargers have their franchise guy. I might be premature, but I say the Dolphins. I might be biased, but I'd say Tua is going to be their franchise guy. You know right away when Herbert's throwing that rock like a hot potato, you know that guy's going to be consistently good. Are they losing big games and choking terribly? Yes, but it is not because of Herbert. Like he is trying his hardest, and he has thrown that thing all over the place. Yeah, I, I think that you're right. You can have two stud tackles that protect the quarterback all day long, but if that quarterback's not good enough to put it where it needs to go, you know what good is it? I, I think we're gonna see Cincinnati be pretty, you know, decent in the future because of Joe Burrow. And you know, when when someone sees a quarterback like Burrow or like Tua or like Herbert, they're like, I want to go play with that guy. I want to go catch passes for that guy. I want to go play on defense on that team because I know that they're that that quarterback's going to put up crazy numbers. So you're absolutely right. You got to get the quarterback 
position correct. It's the most important position in football, but honestly, I think the most important position in all of sports. You, you know, they touch the ball every single play. Exactly. You got to get it right, and for whatever reason, Washington just cannot get it right. They can't, you know, whether it's injury, whether it's just poor play, whether it's poor scouting, whether it's a disagreement on a contract, they just can't get it right. And it's been like that for three decades at the very least. We hear it every offseason. Washington will be aggressive in the free agency period. It doesn't matter how aggressive we are. People don't want to come here and play. Amari Cooper, I mean, I'll, I'll even go even farther back. Haha ha, Clinton Dix came out and said, I'm turning down money to go play somewhere else. Like, I'm going to the Bears. I don't want to play with y'all. Right. And then Amari it, it, Cooper. Do you think he wanted true. to catch passes from Kyle Allen, Dwayne Haskins, and Alex Smith over Dak Prescott? I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, the Bears, you know, as bad as it's turned out for for them with Trubisky, I mean, he looked like a a steady guy. And I would take Trubisky over whatever Washington has had recently. I mean, that's how bad it's been. Yeah, that is bad. (laughs) If you ever have to say that, that's how you know you've hit rock bottom. Like you said, like, the the Bears' defense was so much fun to watch. They were a turnover machine the last few years. Then you have Khalil Mack, Eddie Jackson, Fuller, like, Trevathan, like that team was so much fun to watch. They were scoring like a defensive touchdown every game. That's how they almost got like that had their run last year. That's pretty much what kept Trubisky alive, to be honest right. with you. But I agree. Some people on Twitter I saw today were like, it doesn't matter because, you know, Lake Lewis, shout out to my guy. He's hopped on the Zach Wilson train. I'm driving this thing off a cliff. Um,. People were saying it doesn't matter who you have, who you get as your quarterback, if the rest of the team just sucks. I can partially agree with that, but I feel like that's the center of the team. Like That's what you build around. You draft your quarterback and build around him. You don't just you know, draft you know, an offensive lineman in the very first round and say, well, we'll get someone in the fifth and just hope he's good. If not, then we just have a lot of good guys and no one to throw the ball to any of these guys. So would you agree, start right. for the quarterback, or do you think we need to fix the line first, get all these weapons, and go from there? Oh, it absolutely starts with the quarterback. And, I mean, we've had good linemen. We had Trent Williams, who could be, you know, a Hall of Famer one day. What good did that do? I mean, I, I enjoyed watching Trent Williams play, but he never really protected a quarterback that made you go, wow, for, for, for a long amount of time, right? You know, we have a stud defensive line which I love watching. I love watching them get after the quarterback. But what good has that done? It's not translating to wins. I'd rather have a quarterback, the face of your franchise, a guy that's going to touch the ball every play. Like I said, yeah, it absolutely starts there. And even if the rest of the team's bad around them, you can start to build after that. But you need a guy that's going to run that run that organization, run I, that offense. I will say this. if our If we had a stud quarterback and our offense was better – our defense would look so much better. Agreed. You have five turnovers on offense. You can't expect the defense to do but so much, and they still only held the Giants to three points in the second half. Yep. And you can complain about it all you want, but we talked about it. Five turnovers. They're, they can only do so much. They're on the field. I mean, the, the Giants had the ball, I think, 38 minutes compared to like our 20-whatever it is, like 26, 27, whatever. But you can only do it so much. If you have a good quarterback who can score and a good offense that can keep the ball in their hands – that second half defense is going to be there in the first half too. Absolutely. It helps the entire team. So do we have a franchise quarterback? 
No, we'll be next year. Yes, Zach Wilson, BYU, Junior. Can't wait. I think Sign me up, be. man. I'm ready for it. We're going to be talking about that more, uh, especially with the draft series we're doing. Speaking of the draft, right now, Washington holds pick number five. Are you? Do you feel good about that? Are you like, whatever, I'm going for the NFC East? Or are you just like, wherever we land, we land? Uh, yeah, honestly, I, I don't think you can pay attention to it because at the end of the day, technically you're still alive in this division. So there's a chance that you can win the division, which will throw everything out the window at that point. Um, but a top five pick doesn't sound too bad. The crazy thing is, is that, you know, three NFC East teams are in that, that running two with the Cowboys and the Giants. So it'll be interesting to see where those three um, end up. I'm, I'm kind of assuming that Philly eventually gets healthy and runs away with the division with oh. their six wins instead of everybody else's four or five. And that's the playoff but, game. But along with the three teams from the NFC East being in the top five, it looked like all five of those teams could potentially uh, take a quarterback up there. You know, we, the Jets, I think it's the Jaguars, and then the three NFC East teams. You know, so it, it'll be interesting to see who, who takes a quarterback and where. Um, but that's a long way away. But it is, it, it's probably time to start looking towards the draft with uh, just the, the, the situation Washington's in. Yeah, that's the big, that's like the last question I wrote down in my notes. What's the team's goal? Is it really, you know, fighting for that NFC East still? I'd say yes, because that's been Ron's, you know, push the whole time. But like I said, it just has that 2018 vibe where you just feel so let down. You're like, what What comes out of this? A mediocre Alex Smith, you know, 36-year-old Alex who's taking up so much money on the book. Awesome story, but it's just not what we need. Right. It's like, what, uh, well, what's your goal? I think that they're they're going to say, and I think they really believe, you know, to go out and win the division. And while us fans, you know, might see, like, where does that go? It, it leads us to a playoff game where we get our heads beat in. Some of these guys aren't going to be on this team next year. So this is their, their one shot to, to make something happen and to win a division. So there is that. You know, these guys aren't guaranteed next year. You know, injuries happen all the time. We've seen it too many times here in Washington. Um, so I think those guys are absolutely competing for the division, but I think it is Ron Rivera and the front office's job to also look towards the future. I mean, you absolutely got to plan for the future. You can't live it year by year, but there are guys on this team that are going to be hungry and that are going to be competing to try to win this division, even if it is with three or four wins. So I think that the goal is to, to win the division, but you got to be realistic and keep an eye on, on the future at the same time. That's something that have both been standing on Especially on his first season. He just clean house and get You're really seeing who is here for the long As a new head coach, who's going to last old regime out new regime in this is their season-long audition certainly some guys terry he's gonna be here for life (laughs) yeah so right now we're just looking at people around that who do you build around brian maybe we can get a win in detroit we'll talk about it this week anything else you wanted to add before we head out uh i just need to i need to not think about this team for a couple days so need a vacation yeah exactly (laughs) I told you I was so close to going to the game, uh, but I'm glad so you glad you didn't do that. <laughs> yeah, I was I was one click on Vivid Seats away from dropping like 580 bucks. Um, 
Yeah, I not for that. Impressive. Not for that. I wouldn't have even drove like driven home. I would have just sat in my car in the parking lot <laughs> until like Monday morning. But appreciate y'all tuning in. And like I said, we will be back later on in the week to give y'all a preview episode against Detroit. Looks like Stafford is good to go. He passed. He played Sunday. Didn't look too hot, so maybe our defense can take advantage of that. Ryan, I will see you later on this week, sir, and I appreciate y'all tuning in. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.